because there's been so many stories that have been on one on top of another between Zion, James Harden, you look at the Suns, you look at Utah, you look at every week there's a new MVP. I'm just like, at this point, everybody's MVP. Give them all a, a particip participation award, right? So for you, what is the biggest thing that happened this year that we're gonna talk about in five years that like, man, remember in 2021 or 2020 that like absolutely changed? Hey, Road Trippin' fam. We are excited to let you know that Road Trippin' is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played NBA Daily Fantasy on FanDuel before? Well, check this out. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Why should you play on FanDuel NBA? Well, for one, it is easy to use when it comes to their app. What's not to love about that? But also, for example, they offer different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Oh yeah, and get this, you can play for big prizes, single game contests for the biggest national matches, and enter contests for as low as five cents. That's right, five cents. Simply incredible. So again, let's recap. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Enter URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin to play now and get your deposit bonus. That's URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin so they know we sent you. FanDuel, more ways to win. Anyone drinking, or is it just me again? Coffee. I think Road Trippin has turned into coffee water. Cheers. Water. Water. That's what we say. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of Road Trippin presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Allie Clifton, alongside Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry. We're going to go for a spin on this week's uh, episode because being so close to the best time of year, aka the playoffs, we want to talk a lot of basketball. So we're going to dive heavily into the NBA with this episode. And we don't think that there's a better guest to help us do that than senior writer for ESPN and host of the Low Post podcast, which, by the way, I love that title. It is Zach Lowe. Welcome. What's up, guys? What up? Let's, let's be really honest. There are better people. He's just the only one to say yes. <laughs> I don't agree with that. We're off to a great start, RJ. <laughs> I, we're rolling, rolling right off the bat. <laughs> Every we gotta, day. We got we to stay consistent, Zach. You know. Guys, I'm going to say this to give you guys an example. Like, yes, athletes know a lot because we played, we know the little intricacies, but people like Zach actually break down basketball in a way that's fairly impressive to us, impressive to players. That's why you have tremendous amount of respect. That's why we're excited to have you on here. And I like it because when this is why I think guys like, like Zach and, and players, like when we kind of go, because Zach will show us a perspective that I necessarily didn't think about. And sometimes we will show him a perspective that he will take into account, hopefully. So I think that's where it's a cool pairing and why we're excited to have him on. And then Channing's here too. I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, here's, a, here's an honest question, right? Here we go. When we look back in five years and we look at this season, because there's been so many stories that have been on one on top of another between Zion, James Harden, you look at the Suns, you look at Utah, you look at every week there's a new MVP. I'm just like, at this point, everybody's MVP. Give them all a, a particip participation award, right? So for you, what is the biggest thing that happened this year that we're going to talk about in five years that like, man, remember in 2021 or 2020 that like absolutely changed? 
I think it's all going to depend on the playoffs, right? Like I think the the leader in the clubhouse is probably the James Harden trade. Probably either way, if if the Nets fail in the playoffs, then that becomes the thing we all remember. And if the Nets succeed in the playoffs, then that becomes the thing we all remember. That and maybe we remember it depending on what happens in the next three or four years as the year the Knicks revived. The the year of the Knicks revival. Now, the Knicks got to do some stuff. Like, it can't be a one-year fluke, right? Like, if we're going to remember it, it's got to be a lasting thing. But maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's like opposite ends of the spectrum. Well, when you're talking about the storylines, you're talking about the storylines. And I I think that's I think that's right. I don't think I think the James Harden trade and and how that's going to impact. It could impact the next five years of this league. You know, if they go on the run, if they get hot, it's kind of like the Kevin Durant free agency. You know, because, yeah, those guys are free agents, but that didn't really shift. That just made Brooklyn a contender, right? Having Kevin Durant, having James Harden and DeAndre, that made them contenders, especially in the East, to come out. When you add James Harden, now you are possibly a favorite in the entire league. So, like, that's that 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 shift from him is very different than the Warriors. The Warriors were probably going to be the favorites or be up there the following year after they lost in the finals. But once they got Kevin Durant – they became the favorite for however long that team was going to be together. Let's get one of the big topics, narratives, storylines out of the way. Obviously, 10 to 12 games still left. Uh, but Gina, our girl Gina, who obviously books all of our guests, she's awesome. She just sent me an email connecting me with Zach. And I just couldn't help but notice at the bottom of the email, is Steph your MVP with a wink face? Zach. 31 and 31 10th in the West is going to be a tough, a tough road for Steph to win, to win the MVP. Um, I'm more you, Channing just said it. It's like, if you went back and looked at all the people who were like the leaders in the clubhouse for MVP at some point this season, there might be four or five guys who were like, Oh, he's the MVP. He's the MVP. So I'm waiting until the end of the year, but I don't think Steph is going to be the MVP. And if nothing, if, if we have like status quo for the rest of the season, I think it's going to be hard for it to be anyone but Jokic. If if they stay a strong fourth and they're only one game out of third in the West and they keep winning post Jamal Murray injury and he keeps putting up numbers like that. And we all know he's got the games played advantage over everybody. I just feel like it's going to be tough to make a, a, it's going to be tough to make a case against him. Let's put it that way. Zach, can I get your, get your definition of MVP? Because I feel like it's different for a lot of people. And I think it's important when you go to say, who is the league MVP, what your criteria is, what do you look for? It's, it's very close to best player that season, right? Like, it's just like who adds the most value. The simplest way to think about it is who adds the most value over the course of a season. So let's just say, you think Embiid and Jokic are exactly as good as each other. They add the same amount of value every game, more or less. If one of those guys plays 20 more games than the other one, he has added 20 games worth of value over the other one. That said, I do. the trickiest thing for me is like, how do you, how do you weigh roster context? So like how much extra credit do you get if your team is injured or, you know, you have a pretty limited roster and you lift them, to a level that most people didn't expect them to be at. And it's, it's a weird thing where, where you, where you want to give players credit for that. But what you're also doing at the same time is taking credit away from players who have good teammates, like the bucks, for instance, last season, people were like, well, they're plus whatever when Giannis is on the bench, like 
how valuable does that hurt Giannis's MVP argument? Because the Lakers are minus a lot with LeBron on the bench. And then it's like, well, the Bucks are plus a thousand with Giannis on the floor. Should he really get punished that they're like a functional team when he's on the bench? It's like, but then you get teams that are so loaded that you just can't win MVP if you're on that team. Like the Durant Warriors, none of those guys could, they were all disqualified from MVP because the team was too good. So it's a, it's a weird sort of, Thing to navigate. Well, what do, do you evaluate that now again prior to the injury do you evaluate the same way with what James Harden was doing because you could say that well he had Kyrie on his team and he had you know Kevin Durant I know he hasn't really played but and and look James Harden's numbers like everybody was all like enamored with James Harden's numbers it's like James Harden was doing everything the exact same thing he had done the last five years he had <laughs> He like there was nothing that was different. Like in my opinion, he was putting up triple doubles. Now, mind you, the team was a little different. Maybe how he was going about things with assists. But James Harden has been a top five player for the last five or six years. So for him to do and put up these numbers, again, it's kind of like LeBron. LeBron's averaged twenty five points a game for the last fifteen years, sixteen years. So we're not enamored by it. But when people were like jumping up and down, like James Harden MVP, James Harden MVP, it's like. Yeah, well, you could have made a case for him being an MVP the last five years. Well, well, he was almost the MVP every year of the last five yes, years. Like people yeah. did, people did make things. I'd actually be interested to hear your guys' perspective as two ex-players. The Harden thing was going to be. I mean, I I know I know at least a couple of voters who have told me straight up before he got injured. I we're not even putting him on the ballot, like mm-hmm. not even top five, because we can't reward someone who did what he did in Houston to get out. And I told those people, like, I think not on the ballot is a little extreme. Like at that that's point, happened, like, and that's what, and that's what happened with Jason Kidd. And that's what happened with Jason Kidd in 2001, my rookie year. And, you know, he had some off the court issues a year before that led to his trade uh, to Jersey, but Jason Kidd was the best player in the league. I know Tim Duncan, who's my boy, Jason Kidd took a team that had never accomplished anything, anything, took a group of guys that had never accomplished anything and led the Eastern Conference from start to finish. And there was one person that you can point at. And it's not that Jason ended up getting second to Tim Duncan, but this is where it went sideways. There were people that didn't even have Jason Kidd on the first team ballot. Now that goes into the same kind of, I'm not even going to even consider rewarding him because of what James Harden did or how he left Houston. And same thing with Jason Kidd and the things that happened off the court, people weren't even going to consider him, but there were people that didn't have Jason Kidd on the first team ballot after we were the Eastern conference champs and led the Eastern conference from first start to finish. And was like the most epic turner one, like maybe the third biggest turnaround in NBA history. And he you know, and so I, I get it, but I just think like your point, keeping people off the ballot because of like your, I, I just think it's a bad look when you do that. Richard, by your, by your standards, Chris Paul is MVP. By your, by that saying, Chris Paul is MVP, right? Well, and and Zach, but again, by you, but, it, by, but look, Chris Paul, they were not even in the playoff run last year. Now they're second in the West and have a chance to be first. There's one person that's different, and that's Chris Paul. And then you look at the Knicks, and Julius Randle's usage rate with that team, he's the one, he's the difference. So that is what's wild about this year. It's like, okay, take Chris Paul off the Suns. They're 10th or 11th in the West. Put Chris Paul on the Suns, they're second. Take Julius Randle, right, who's having a crazy year, and people would say Julius Randle is doing more with less than any other person in the NBA. Maybe except for Russell Westbrook, but he's playing with Bradley Beal, right? And what he's doing is amazing. But look at 
that roster, the Knicks, like no offense to anybody there, but like for them to be doing what they're doing, obviously Tibbs is a lot to do with that. But Julius Randle has been an absolute monster this year. So by, I'm not saying they're either one of my MVPs, but by your standards, those two guys are it. Well, the standard that I was trying, that I was uh, establishing, I I would say the difference between Jason Kidd and Chris Paul this year is that the Nets, I think, were they they were they were in the lottery they had a top pick and there was no all-star right like devin booker is an all-star he was an all devin booker is an all-star devin booker got hurt no but either no 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 the year before the year before he was an all-star last year so i'm talking about his all-star last year so he shows up with an all-star 26 year old 25 year old in his backboard whatever same difference and um and so then so that that's the only difference like the nets didn't have yeah, yeah, yeah. look we're not going to go revisit 20 years of mvps but the criteria for mvp this year has been more complicated than ever because is it best player some of the best players have missed injuries one of the guys that was in contention people aren't going to even consider him because of the way he forced his way out of houston you had injuries to braun Embiid, um and then chris paul you can make an argument for julius randall i feel like that's a bit of a stretch but julius randall is playing all nba basketball but what about like, luca the mvp has Almost more to get with narrative. Everybody, everybody's best player on the best team that is super important. Okay, for the both of you, who's your MVP? Zach gave his. It's hard to argue right now. He said Nikola Jokic, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not committing till the end, but I think it's hard to make a case against Jokic. You can make a case for other people, but it's really hard to poke holes in Jokic's case. So Channing, who is yours as it stands today? Again, as it stands today, and I always change my mind, but I can't anymore because. He's not playing with an all-star. His second best player got hurt, and they're still doing it. It has to be Jokic. And B's been hurt also, but he's playing with an all-star. Jokic has no all-stars, and he makes everyone ridiculously better. One of the best stretches for Philly, too, was when Embiid was out. And that's no disrespect because we don't know. No, no, no. He's playing with two, two, cal- two all-star caliber players and a Hall of Fame coach. Yep. No right. offense to Mike Malone. I don't know where he's going to be in his long term. But, you know, when you have a Hall of Fame coach, right, you you just are going to win an extra 20 games based on preparation and style and and, uh, and culture. Let's let's change this, Zach. I want to I want to view it. Who's your MVP as of right now? I was say, he, he, he didn't answer the question. Who's your MVP as of right now? Who's your MVP? No, I, I no, I, I look, I completely agree with everything that you guys are saying. It is hard to make an argument against Jokic. It is like I still come from idea that if you're an MVP, like, and I don't like looking at historic numbers because we know the numbers are bloated this year. They're bloated across the board, right? And that's not to diminish Jokic because he's always been that balance of a player, rebounds, assist. He's led his team in, in rebounds, uh, assist, and points the last, I think, four seasons. And I think there's only like three or four people in the NBA that history that have ever done it. So I'm not like, yeah, Jokic wins the MVP. There's no real argument there. But is there an argument for a different and a different award, right? Because we always talk about, is it the best player? Is it the most valuable player? Like, what do you think? How long have we been arguing for that, though? No, every, yeah, everyone like, is, but I, but I think- Most year, outstanding this, player is different than MVP. No, but I'm saying this year, Zach, more than ever, do you feel like this opens up the conversation to show how much of a cluster it is where there's a million different criteria that are going to go into MVP? Would most outstanding player just basically be take away the injuries, 
Like, let's be like, so would, would it just be LeBron every year though? Is that basically what we're saying? Like, just create, like, we all know LeBron's the best player, right? So would, we, would no, that just be LeBron they, every year? Well, there was years that there was years that it might've been Kevin Durant. There was years that legitimately it was James Harden and Steph, Steph. It doesn't mean that Bron wouldn't be the person if you were drafting the league, but when Steph goes and breaks every record and their team wins 73 wins yeah, and they're yeah. doing that, like Steph is obviously Steph was doing what he's doing now, but it looked like he was doing it for an entire season. Right. So in that moment, we're not saying that Steph is quote unquote, you know, but Steph was the best player and then we all know what happened to the 73 win Golden ah, State Warriors in the finals. We, we all remember. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that. But but uh, to, your, to your point, but to your point, it's like MJ, MJ could have won seven MVPs, eight MVPs. Like they gave it to Charles one year, beat him. Then he then they gave it to Carl Malone one year, beat him. So it's like there were guys that might've been having better seasons, but for us to say that every year, a guy that wins the MVP has to improve constantly like Giannis. Giannis is having a great year, right? He's like, it may be not be better than his first two, but to say that Giannis is the MVP, well, he didn't improve on last year. Well, it's hard to continue improving on MVP years every single year. So even let's, if talk, let's, best player again. let's talk about Giannis then, because the, to me, before all the injuries sort of took some of the steam out of this, this was a fun MVP race for three reasons. Number one, you had the sort of LeBron just didn't win, uh, finish second last year, was clearly upset, then went on and won the title while the guy who beat him, his team flamed out in the second round. So there's all this like residual LeBron guilt that people were feeling, right? Number two was Harden in the Houston scenario, which we've talked about already. Like, how do you deal with that? And number three is Giannis. Only three guys have ever won the MVP three years in a row. Bird, Wilt, and Russell, okay? There's the only three that have ever won three straight MVPs, which is what Giannis is going for now. And Michael never did it. Magic never did it. It's crazy to think about, but Michael never did it. Unless I'm wrong, we can fact Bro check me. Everyone, everyone Rose year, back-to-back, Braun, back-to-back, Rose, back-to-back. So, yeah, yeah. there was, yeah. And so, and so... The Wilt Russell Bird by year three. So by the time they win their third MVP in either year one or two or both, their teams have won the championship. So Giannis would be the first three-peat MVP to win all three before winning a title. And I think a lot of voters, like like you said, RJ, he's had an amazing year. Like he statistically, everything is bait, not quite right. the same, but incredible. But people are just not going to vote for him because he hasn't won yet. Is that fair? Is that not fair? It's strange, right? Can I ask this question? Why can't the MVP be about the playoffs as well? Because if you really want to hold that player to a standard of winning, to your point of not winning a title just yet, we don't even take those games into account. Do you know why? players act up in the, in the playoffs, right? Like Rondo may not play and all of a sudden win the Clippers a whole series. Is he going to be an MVP? Like, Certain guys, regular season, like Kawhi Leonard doesn't give a shit about the regular season most of the time. He's out there just winning games, but like... How can you make that your MVP? <laughs> but Kawhi Leonard, but like Kawhi Leonard may have the greatest playoff run, you know what I'm saying? And does he does he get considered as MVP? Why well, you have a finals MVP is your point, Zach. Well, I think because the NBA would say it would be anticlimactic, kind of like how Super Bowl MVP is anti, like it's going to be the quarterback of the team that wins every single year. So like the MVP yeah. would just be the best player on the team that wins the championship. And the NBA likes the fact that we have all these podcasts 
discussing the MVP and everyone has criteria that's a little bit different and people get mad at each other and they yell at each other on TV and it's a whole oh, thing. Oh, you're talking and about you and Windhorse? You and Windhorse getting yeah. after it? Is that what you're talking I about? I didn't yell at Windhorse. That was not on the Windhorse Jackass podcast. I, w- yeah. I would call him a jackass actually, just in general, but I did not, I was not on that podcast. I love you, Brian. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Is there some beef we got to talk about? No beef. No beef. <laughs> well, okay. So, so, okay, then let's go. So we've talked about James Harden and how people, and, and again, understand, I love it when we have these conversations because me and Channing don't have votes. So we're purely opinion, right? We're purely opinion and we take it in. And, and obviously it, it's not good for your blood pressure if you're, if you're uh, pointing out and picking um, uh, early, early, it's not good. So you mm-hmm. want to kind of let it, let, that's why I respect you saying like, I'm going to wait till the end. But we've talked about Giannis, we talked about Embiid. What is your thoughts on Embiid and why, where, where would, again, because it's not just one, who would you have as second? So halfway through the season, I said I had Embiid as my MVP by a teensy, by the smallest margin possible over Jokic. Over who? Over, over Jokic over and Braun. It, it, it went one, two, three, that order. Embiid, Jokic, LeBron. Very, very close. And then <laughs> I think the injury is is probably going to swing the race. But I, I, like, you could tell me I don't care about the injury. I just think Embiid is so much better defensively than Jokic. He's my MVP. I don't like that's fine. He's Embiid has been unbelievable this year. Oh. I mean, the mid the mid-range jumper is like automatic on some nights. It's it's ridiculous how good he is. And the one thing that I, I think um would be interesting to talk about is when Philly was first in the East, and they're not, I think Brooklyn is now first in the East, but when Philly was first in the East, there was this whole like, well, Philly's first in the East, Denver's fourth in the West. Like, how can the MVP come from fourth in the West when the other guy's first in the East? And they're like, well, they have the same record and one conference stinks and one conference is amazing. Like to me, that's not really an argument. See, I think that that one conference stinks and understand this too. What what now again, Jokic is my boy. I played with them. So Denver fans got sensitive when I talked about it, but I don't really give a shit about their feelings. Yes, you do a little bit, a little bit. You You wouldn't bring it up. You wouldn't bring it up if you didn't. No, I, 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 I care about their feelings from the standpoint of, I don't give a shit that that's where I care. I just want to make sure that they know that I don't care. So this is what, this is what I'm saying. When you look at Denver, they were number one. Then I think they were number two, right? In the last two seasons, they were the number one seed. Then last year where they had the number two seed, I believe. And then this year they would be fourth or fourth, possibly fifth. So technically they they're te- well, four, oh, they'll, yeah, be, yeah. they'll drop to four and they're a half game, but from third. So they've act, their team has actually gone down. Right. If you look at when his performances have gone up, but the talent level, in my opinion, on the Denver Nuggets has gone up with Michael Porter Jr. You have Jamal Murray, who has grown. You have Jokic, who has gotten better every single year. But their team performance has kind of dropped over the last two years as far as where they rank in the Western Conference, whereas Philly, they've actually improved their standing. So like, are you just, and again, I'm not trying to take in this, this singular season, but looking at a body of work, wouldn't you say that the Denver Nuggets, even though Jamal, uh, even though um, Jokic has gotten better and his numbers are better, hasn't their team regressed? No. Their, okay. rec- their, winning, their winning percentage is almost exactly the same and actually a little bit better than it was two seasons ago. And when they were number one? They were never number one. They were, they were two and, um, and three. They were three last season, two the year before. Okay. Um, their winning percentage is the same, actually a little bit better. 
And I just think qualitatively, when you consider the game's miss, I mean, like you're not allowed to use big words like that on this podcast. Okay. In terms of how good they actually are, like you, you watched it, particularly once they got healthy, right? Like they were injured this, a lot of this year, Barton was injured. Harris was injured. Green was injured. Millsap was injured. When they had their that's team, everybody's story, though. Right, but I just I to, to, the short answer to your question is no. They have not taken a step back. They're they are okay. the same or better than they've been. What okay. was the perspective, Zach? You just did. I'm. Why am I blanking? Was it on Jamal? You just did a story. I just did like an audio audio essay. Deal essay thing. But you had talked to GMs, to coaches, and their takeaway from that. Oh, just, I said, you know, I did this essay sort of lamenting Jamal's injury and why it felt sort of like a unusually hard gut punch around the NBA, just given how awesome Denver had looked once they got Aaron Gordon and they seemed to be clicking and all that. And I had some people on Twitter make fun of me, like, yo, Jamal Murray's not dead. Like, why are you doing this like, um, like emotional or like lament lamentation about it? Because you feel like you feel like you're going to vote for Jokic and Jokic is going to win the MVP and they're going to lose in the first round. That's why. No, I don't care about that. In fact, I actually, I don't, I don't care about that at all. I, I do, I do love watching the Nuggets play and I do feel like they were starting to find a groove where it's like, Oh, this team, this team got scary. Yeah. But but I, I what I said, what Ali's referring to, I think, is like be, even before I did that and after I got texts and calls from coaches, GMs, scouts around the Western Conference, including from teams who were like maybe going to play Denver in the playoffs and should in theory be like, OK, our road just got a little easier. And they were all like, man, this is such a bummer. I feel so bad yeah. for Denver. And not only because they saw what I saw, but also uh, several of them made the point of it would be really good for the NBA if a team in Denver or Utah primarily built through the draft or whatever, if there was sort of proof of concept that, yeah, these teams can still win the whole thing. It's not just the big market teams who are trading all their picks for every player. And I thought that was interesting, but I, I, I do really like that Denver team. They're fun to watch. And that injury just sucked. It was a bummer. Yeah. That, that, that's the part. It, it was, for me, obviously, just knowing Jamal and how hard he's worked and how much he cares about the game of basketball. Because a lot of guys, they love the game of basketball, then there's people that care about the game of basketball. And Jamal approaches it the same way, his competitiveness, the way he views it, and they are. Jokic is one of five players that when you're sitting there watching him, you're literally kind of in awe. Like, you're just like, the game is moving so slow, the way he sees it. And then you start to see the game the way he sees it because you're like, oh, watch he's going to hit this pass or, Oh, Oh, I see what he's doing here. He's bringing this in here and then he's going to kick it there. You start to see the game. You can actually get smarter at the game of basketball by watching him. Same with watching Luca or same with watching like Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, because they make their teammates better. Like the minute he touches the ball, there's literally scrambling around him. It's like when Steph Curry gets off the ball, the way he scrambles, that's the way all of Jokic's teammates, because they know Kill will be get rewarded. Channing, you can speak. It was like playing with Steve Nash. For me, it was like playing with Jason Kidd. Those players are so rare and so special. But as soon as you do it, you're like, the chances of Denver Nuggets winning a championship without Jamal Murray, especially after seeing how important he was to their success in the bubble, is 1%, maybe 1% now. And that that is devastating. That's why it felt like a gun punch because you're like, these, these teams, there's no way that they can win a championship. Imagine them playing the, the, the Nets in the finals. Let's say hype it. Like they, they just don't have enough firepower for that. Hey, Road Trip and fam. I just want to take a moment and talk about something new I'm adding to my hobby life, if you will. Coming from the Midwest, we live for the springtime weather. It means summer is right around the corner. 
aka all that good weather. And ever since I was a little girl, I would spend all the hours of the day outside, usually ending it around a campfire. No joke. It was a great way to wind down, but then spend time with family and friends. Even when we'd be on vacation, the night always just seemed to end with a bonfire. So recently I came across Solo Stove, thought, hey, let's check it out. In fact, my parents did as well. What is a solo stove first and foremost? Well, it's a smokeless fire pit. Yes, smokeless. No walking away, feeling as if you are taking the fire with me. You know what I'm saying? And so a couple weekends ago, my parents and I actually FaceTimed as we unpackaged and put together our Ranger fire pits, which by the way, is so efficient and easy to do. It took us less than five minutes. One thing we came across when putting it together was this piece that we now know is probably very important. It's the fire pit stand. So no matter where you place it, because, oh yeah, by the way, it's portable. My parents, big into camping, are gonna take it with them on their trips. It creates this insulated barrier that protects any kind of surface, no matter what it is. It's made of 304 stainless steel, durable construction, and as I mentioned, efficient from the moment you open to porting it around wherever you see fit. And so here's the deal. Since we love so much you guys, we want to encourage our listeners to get in on the fun with Spring Upon Us and Summer Red Around the Corner. Do yourself a favor. Make this spring one to remember with a smokeless fire pit from Solo Stove and get a free stand, free, with any purchase of a fire pit. Just use our promo code ROADTRIPPIN at checkout. That's solostove.com promo code ROADTRIPPIN. R-O-A-D-T-R-I-P-P-I-N. Hey, Road Trippin' fam. We think we have something that would connect for you all on the same level it has for us. Richard Channing and myself often talk about the little things that matter most in our lives. With family, friends, our space held in the professional world, it all adds up in some way or another. And so that's why when it comes to Indochino, the perfect custom wedding suit, every detail accounted for, is more affordable than you might think. Check this out. From booking a virtual style consultation and shopping online that makes for an efficient, detail-oriented, and friendly experience to actually receiving the suits and or select pieces, depending on your respective choosing, Indochino values you as the consumer to reach all levels of feeling connected, confident, and stylish at the time needed most. Every piece is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail, from breathable linen fabrics for warm weather weddings to statement linings. You can create a suit that fits and your style too, perfectly. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $2.99 with all customizations included. So for you, our fans, to feel this love and connection we have felt to feeling and rocking our best in times necessary, here you go. Shop the wedding collection or book a virtual style consultation at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $50 off any purchase of $3.99 or more by using code ROADTRIPPIN at checkout. That's $50 off a purchase of $3.99 or more at indochino.com. Promo code ROADTRIPPIN. Let's start in the, let's go to the East and talk matchups that you're intrigued or matchups you want to see in the first round that we could potentially see. Channing, you go first. I haven't heard your voice in a while. Uh, I'm right here. I'm chilling. Uh, For me, it would be the heat in Boston, right? I think that, uh, would be a matchup I would want to say. I think Boston's been up and down this year. And I read this thing. Jalen Brown was talking about you need some inner fire. And I'm like, dude, there's 15 games left. What the fuck? What, you don't have inner fire? Like, you guys are underachieving. You're getting your head busted in by teams that have no business. And you're talking about getting some fire. So that worries me. It also worries me that when Marcus Smart doesn't play, they look like a lottery team. And it's just like, you saw that at the beginning of the year. And then the Heat, 
I'm still figuring out, are the Heat just chilling or do they have struggles like trying to play? Like, who are they? Can they turn it on? Are they tired from last year? Uh, you know, is that mojo gone? And then, I mean, obviously the big ones is Philly, Philly, uh, Milwaukee, right? And the rest of the other teams, that really matters. And the Nets and whoever wins that Philly, Milwaukee, right? I, at the end of the day, the Clippers, Utah, Denver, Philly, Milwaukee, and the Nets all need to show that, like, they can win in a playoff series. The Nets I'm not too worried about, but those other teams, this regular season stuff is pointless. Like, I don't give a shit if the Clippers are first or sixth. What are you going to do in the playoffs, right? All that hype last year. Same with Utah. What happens if Utah loses in the first round? And you have the coach of the year, the defensive player of the year, a guy that was sort of talked about as MVP and sixth man, and you lose. It's just like, uh, you know, they need to go far to, to justify all that. Zach, why'd you shake your head on the heat? Oh, cause I just, I, I'm a, I, I have generally been a believer in the heat. I bam is one of my favorite players in the league. It just as more and more time passes and they just can't score Ugh. their offense is like 25th in the league. It just feels like it's too, it's too hard. And I know last year they got to the bubble and they caught lightning in a bottle and they like, you know, they started Jay Crowder and they figured out their team. And so you never want to give up on them suddenly figuring out their team. Yep. The more I see them, the more it just doesn't feel like they're good. It, it doesn't feel like they're, they look old. Well, well, and look in Boston, I don't think Boston, Boston's underachieving, but not as much as people like to make it seem. Because if you were to look at Boston at the beginning of this year, they don't have more talent than Brooklyn. They don't have more talent than Philly. And they don't have more talent than Milwaukee. So starting off, starting off, if everybody plays with their capability, I truly believe that the best that, that Boston could be would be fourth, right? Now they have been inconsistent. They've had people with COVID and they've had injuries and they've had a lot of different stuff. But I think my, to me, their ceiling was always going to be right around fourth. This is not the same team. Think about it. They had Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford. They had a loaded roster when they were going to the conference finals multiple years. Half of those guys are gone. And I look at like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, the supporting crew around them is probably far less than the supporting crew around the top two of any team. So let's look at the Clippers, right? Boston with, can't develop anybody else except for their I, own I, guys. I How many Clippers with, with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Their supporting crew, their supporting cast in LA for either LA is better than the supporting cast around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. It's the same way if you would go Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, their supporting cast is better than the supporting cast around. So it's like even just their secondary group around those guys, both be all-stars, they almost have to be like all top 10 players in order to carry that supporting cast. And they're young. They're just not there yet. So, so I'm glad you guys brought up Boston because in terms of first round matchups, Allie, Mm -hmm. Right now, we would get Milwaukee-Boston in the first round, which I think would be really, really fun because, look, I, I think RJ is, is, is not off base at all about Boston. I had them like a 4-5 kind of team in the East to start the season because I, Hayward's departure really hurt them. But they still have Smart, Kemba, and the other thing is Kemba just hasn't been Kemba consistently at all yeah. this season. Mm -hmm. But Smart, Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Fournier is a big ad. Robert Williams has emerged, I think, is a legit starting center in the NBA. 
then you start to like, well, that's six guys, right? And you start to, if, if I get some good minutes off the bench from anybody else, I've got a nice like seven, Peyton eight man. Richard, Peter Pritchard, like a Peyton young Pritchard's player. been good. Grant Williams. Suddenly you, those guys are in the right roles, right? You're not asking them to do too much. And you just know Milwaukee's under a lot of pressure in the playoffs. And yep. if you draw Boston in the first round, you don't have like the warm up first round series like you did last year against Orlando or whoever you face in the past is the one seed you or Detroit one year, but they, they just rolled over Detroit right off the bat. You got a team that's like, Hey, if we get our shit together, why can't we beat Milwaukee? And I think that like, if we know how much pressure Milwaukee's under, that would be a fun sort of immediate clash for them to, to and if they go win, up and if Boston wins that their season is saved, you know, you know, the insides and, all your connections, Zach, what is that pressure for Milwaukee? I mean, obviously Giannis signing the deal took away some of that pressure, but they traded a whole lot of stuff to get Drew Holiday and then they paid Drew Holiday a whole lot of money and they don't have a lot of avenues to improve their team going forward. And as much as you want to say, well, now they have time because Giannis signed on the dotted line, it's five years. It's like, you only get so many cracks to this before Mm -hmm. I don't want to say trust erodes, but before everybody starts looking at each other and is like, I mean, you guys have, maybe you've lived through this, maybe you haven't, but I certainly haven't, but you hear players talk about it. It's like, you look around and you're like, man, we've kind of failed in the playoffs a bunch of times now. And you start to feel it. That's why, that's why I'm fascinated by what happens. What happens the first time somebody punches the Clippers in the face in the playoffs this year? Like we saw what happened last year when somebody punched them in the face and that are there scars from that? Are they over it? You know, that's where Rondo, in my opinion, Rondo comes in. Cause Rondo, Rondo will punch his teammates in the face as hard as any opponent. And I don't mean physically, I mean, from like challenging them from challenging them and challenging the coaching staff and Rondo, what he does a very good job of is he consistently makes things just uncomfortable enough, mm-hmm. right? Everybody, because he's so hyper-intelligent, he is so on top of it that he makes you uncomfortable enough where you're always kind of on an edge, whether you're up, whether you're down, you walk into, you're up 2-0. If you're laughing at joking in practice or if you're laughing and joking at shoot-around, Rondo's the type of guy that will cuss everybody out, coaching staff on down, right? And I, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean that you need to add guys like that to your team, especially when you don't have guys that are ultra-emotional, like, charismatic leaders like Paul George, who's had an amazing season, Kawhi Leonard, they're more reserved personalities from that standpoint. You need a personality that's a little excessive at times. Like a, you need an Draymond emotional Green, leader. Like, like a Draymond Green, like a Marcus Smart, guys that will like challenge their teammates. But right? Rondo As, does it in a way that it's not emotional. It's, well, I guess there's many forms of emotion, but he's like a mental mind fuck. What, what is that other word? Fuck. He's a oh, mental mind fuck. He does. He gets to your point, right? It's like this dude came in and impacted the playoffs from start to finish. Well, by the time he arrived in the bubble with the injury last year, coming off the bench. Yeah. Coming off the bench. He was right he there. Just neck controls and the game. Yeah. When your best players go out of the game, your, your bench guys, it's hard for them to score unless you have a score, right? So when even when Richard and I would play, we would run one or three plays, right? We run that little elbow action play and we knew it. But we had to figure that out. Rondo does enough film, and he's smart enough to go, here are the three plays we're going to run. If they do this, you're going to shoot. If they do this, you're going to shoot. And defensively, you know, he can direct, and he's going to call out plays and slow the game down uh, for guys who are going to be sped up. But my biggest question about the Clippers, not only them getting hit, is – Channing, take us to the West. Who's your, who's your matchup and what you're about to say, too? 
I mean, to be honest, it's Utah versus anybody. I want to <laughs> see them. It's just, the story is just, can this work, right? Yeah. And I think to me, Utah, it's Jordan Clarkson is kind of the guy where it's like, what Jordan are you going to get? Is he going to be efficient? If he comes off the bench, is, is he four for 25, right? In a playoff series, is he, is he six for eight? What happens when people double team him, right? What happens when they make Joe Ingles score and he's not your a second playmaker? Uh, it's like, imagine Utah has to play, fucks around and plays Lakers. And Anthony Davis just does that. It kills him from the mid-range. Like, how does, how does he guard that? Yeah, I don't know. The, the team that I want to see, I want to see what Charlotte looks like. I want to see what Charlotte fun. And the reason, and the re, Charlotte is really fun. Reason is Melo going to be back? I think LaMelo's yeah. going to be back. I think there's hope that Gordon Hayward might be back. I think he's the last of the three. I forgot uh, Malik Monk should be back before uh, Gordon Hayward. But the way they had 39 assists on like 45 or 46 field goals against Boston. I did that game. And they moved the ball. I'm talking about, I watched a field like multiple, quarters where nobody took more than three dribbles in the half court it was one two dribble pass one two dribble pass driving kick pass. it was literally like the old san antonio offense when they dismantled the miami heat now mind you this is different but it was the way of playing and i re bring up san antonio because you know coach b is from san antonio he plays that movement european style yeah. basketball and when you walk and the reason why i like charlotte is for one for a couple reasons one they could upset somebody because they 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 play like eight deep if they play well the reason why i really like them is a tune-up if you're a good team you would love a team like charlotte because there is no rest one through five one through seven if you're philly if you're whoever you got to play some defense Right, like PJ Washington will knock down five, six threes in in a game if they if all Joel can eat. Yeah, yeah, if Joel Embiid yeah, yeah. doesn't go out and guard him, right? Like Terry Rozier is not going to back down from Kyrie if he's having. You know, what I'm saying there's multiple guys on that roster that play that type of aggressive like team style. So what it does is it forces your entire team to lock in. Hypothetically, who did we play in that first round? We played Detroit. And then who did we play the next year? I forgot Atlanta. who we played in the first round. Oh, in the Atlanta. first round? Yeah. You was it Indiana? Yeah. No, Indiana, but it, Indiana was the last year. Oh, yeah. I don't forget. Yeah, it was both multiple teams. Anyways, World. the point is, it's good to have teams. <laughs> like, if you're a one, two, and three, give me a team that makes everyone sharpen their knives versus a team that you're just going to just run through in the first round. Right. Like, don't give me the Orlando. Don't give me a team that I feel like is a team. They're going to make you play team defense. They're going to make you focus. And ultimately, they will prepare you for that run. Zach, your wheels are spinning. No, I was just thinking I, that's interesting because normally you hear, you know, we want the easiest road possible. Like you see teams even sort of lose games on purpose late in the season to try and screw up the standings and all that. I was just thinking West, you know, you were asking people West matchups. I mean, can you imagine if Murray were healthy and we've got Denver Lakers in the first round? Ooh. I mean, that I that's what we're, we're getting Denver Lakers in the first round right now anyway. And by the way, Denver's playing pretty well without Murray. But uh, if I think, Murray to your point, I, I, we can't have you on this podcast and, and I'm not because I work for the Lakers network. I'm not saying this, but we have yet to talk about the Lakers. So I kind of want yeah, your opinion about that matchup. I mean, if Jamal Murray were healthy, are the Lakers favored in that series? 
Yeah, if the Lakers, if Braun and AD are healthy, I think the addition of Aaron Gordon is who. But one thing that I think no one is truly understanding the pickup, and, and you can disagree with me or agree with me if, on this, act. You will not see the real impact of Andre Drummond until Braun and AD I, show I, up. I said the same thing yesterday on my podcast. podcast week, pe- yep. pe- people are talking about Drummond's this. I was like, I don't care. Anything he does is not relevant to me until he's just screening for LeBron James. He will look like a different people. monster. That's the hardest part of the Lakers pickup. You look across the league and Portland picked up Dwight Powell. You look at Philly, or not Philly, um, you look at Milwaukee picked up um, PJ Tucker. Um, you look at Denver picked up Aaron Gordon. There's a lot of good pickups around this league. The Drummond one, you're not going to see it because Drummond, they didn't bring in Drummond to play with this group. They brought in Drummond to be in a pick and roll with Anthony Davis. And we saw how big and strong Dwight Howard was in the problem. Like, Drummond is a better version of Dwight Howard last year, much better version. Now, not Dwight Howard prime, but like Dwight Howard's role, rebound, can roll. I think think you need, I think you need though, just from the few games being able to watch him up close, I still think you need this like edge about Drummond that Dwight brought mentally. Big Drummond is not not willing to just get in a fight and get kicked out with the other guy. But that's what I'm saying is that is the difference between Dwight last year in the playoffs and maybe an Andre Drummond mentally. Like there were times where Dwight effed up Nikola Jokic mentally. Like got in his skin, got in his grill. He wanted that. Yeah, well, because Dwight's a Dwight's a character. So Dwight was just being like Dwight was mattered. But do you you do you agree do you agree about that, Zach, that like Drummond's impact, it will go from like a five percent to a twenty percent once Braun and A D are really playing. Okay. I mean, I mean, we'll see, but he's going to look like a completely different player. I mean, LeBron makes everybody look better. He makes every shooter look better. He makes every big guy look better. I mean, he's just going to make Andre Drummond look better. But I think Ali's look. The question that Ali's getting at has been the question about Andre Drummond his whole career, which is, how often is he going to play with urgency? Is he going? Is it going to be one every five games? Is it going to be one every three games? Is it going to be every minute he's on the floor? Because whatever you want to say about Dwight and whatever Dwight does on the court and the technicals and the ejections and whatever nonsense she's right that for the Lakers last year, he played with an edge and he played hard every now. He only had to play 12, 13, 14, whatever minutes. It wasn't a huge burden, but he played all of them. Like you felt him every second that he was on the floor. Okay. Well, and let's, let, let's look at this. Thank you, Zach. Anthony. I never get to be right with these two guys. Side <laughs> That's your always you. right, I appreciate Allie. that moment. <laughs> you are always right. <laughs> Anthony, our, our, look, Anthony Davis. And, and this is why I will say that with Bron. Anthony Davis, everyone knew he was a top five talent. He was one of the best top 10 players in the league, defense, offense, like dudes, a monster, but playing with Braun and even adding playing with Rondo, the way they challenged him that I, I feel like that helped raise his level because he is more of a passive reserve guy. Right. And it's like, you look up at the end of the day and he would have 28 and 15 for new Orleans. And you'd be like, yeah, but his team lost but he didn't have good teammates, but it just didn't feel like he was ever like this dominant, aggressive guy. I feel like if they bring in when Braun and all the guys get 
back. If they if Braun and the crew challenge Drummond the same way they challenged Anthony Davis, I think you'll see the best version of Drummond that you have seen throughout his career because ultimately we've seen it. We've seen J.R. Smith go from a throw-in in the Amon Shumpert trade to being one of the best two guards in the league, two-way two -way playing defense, doing all the things necessary. So we've constantly seen an elevation, not just in game, but in like how they're being challenged to go to another level. And I think that's an underrated thing that only the bronze, the Steve Nash's, the Kobe's, the, the Jason kids, the guys that just chat, they make you better, but they also push you to go to another level of intensity. And that's what Drummond, and I think at times Anthony Davis was lacking. You keep making so, that face. You I got nothing. I think you're hundred percent right. And I think the Lakers, if they're healthy, everyone is sort of defaulting to the, well, if they're healthy, they're their favorites. And I'm like, I, I, you're probably right because they okay, have so let, me take you, let me take you on the flip side of that is the chemistry thing a concern from the outside as much as it is when you hear the players talk about it consistently all the time they're talking about how the chemistry is so great on the outside off the court but they've got stuff to get right and and you know Dennis had that quote when LeBron returns we're going to sit down and have a conversation because we've got work to do yeah, here's the conversation. Give give the ball to LeBron and you <laughs> Get know out the way. LeBron, <laughs> LeBron, go to the corner, motherfucker. Shut the hell up and win a chip. Well, I didn't say that, but <laughs> no, I uh, know, I know. That's I, I wouldn't say that. But I think LeBron. my thing. Here's my question. The biggest thing about Drummond is he's so effing talented. It's frustrating, right? He moves like a cat to be almost 280. He can pass. He's solid on the block. I mean, solid in the sense of he could score over over a, a mismatch semi efficiently. He's the worst finisher historically. It's disgusting, right? It's disgusting. So if you could just finish half the shots, right? If when you get a rebound, if somebody slaps the ball, just finish, the, the Lakers are far and away going to win. And, and I'd argue and only counter that the players in which he's now surrounded by, and this is not an excuse or a knock for him over the last, may allow him to proved to be different in that. Him, in that him finishing has nothing to do with who's around him. It's your seven foot. Well, when you're constantly triple teamed. Who's double teaming wait, 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 him? Wait, 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 really quickly, really quickly. Years before. But LeBron, wait, 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 LeBron's going to be passing to him instead of exactly. like, you know, Reggie Jackson and Brandon Jennings yeah, and, you know. <laughs> well, let, let's also, let's also establish this because we're going to go back to, I want to go back to what Dennis Schroeder said. When, when I wasn't on the team, so I was on the team in, six, in 15, 16, 16, 17, and then I left. But then I came back, and remember, that's when they had Jordan Clarkson, and they had Jeff Green, and they had all of those guys on the Cavs team. And I and, and they were struggling a little bit. Remember, they went to seven in that first round, and I, like, I, I kind of pulled Jeff a green. I'm like, listen, this is the difference between playing with Braun in the regular season and in the postseason. In the regular season, he might throw you the ball, and let you go to work, whatever. Braun's going to go to work. When he throws you that ball, that is your moment. That is your chance. Do something. Because once that ball gets back into his hands, then it's you're done. Correct. Right? There is no, there, there is no, you're done. So if, if Braun drives, kicks it to Schroeder, and Schroeder kind of looks around, you know, dribbles, it's like, no, Schroeder, when you kick it, you go. Braun will let you shoot. Like that, that's kind of like the way he plays, but your your opportunities. And your the your I don't want to say leash, but your leeway to probe and play 
He just wants you aggressive at all times. That's why Kyrie was such a great pairing for Braun. Because the minute he tossed that ball to Kyrie, Kyrie was like, it's my time to go to work. And sometimes like J.R. Smith was the same way. When Braun tossed it to him, if, if J.R. either had a shot, whatever, or he got off the ball. So it's the guys that like need a rhythm and like, when do I go and what offense are we running? It's like, no, Braun's going to work. You're going to get the ball. You got to make a play. If you don't make a play, that's your moment. But your, 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 your opportunity and your room for error decreases a lot playing with Braun in the postseason. I heard, I, I mean, shoot, being a spot up shooter on LeBron's team. Well, it was nice. Let me tell you. Well, it's gotta be nice. Right. But if you, but if you miss, if you're on a cold, if you like get traded to the Cavs, and go O of twelve from three, he's gonna start looking at you like, "Hey man, you better you, yeah. you better you better start Wait, making some of these." Regular season or, or playoffs, both, both. Regular season, he's not tripping too much if you put the work in. If you're bullshitting and missing, he gonna say he's just not gonna throw you the ball, or he'll tell coach take his ass up out of the game, right? But during the, the postseason, if you're a spot up shooter, he literally slows the game down. He watches film all the time. He'll say. When this guy's foot is right here, I'm going to throw you the ball. And you just practice that. You're like, you don't even have to think. I just knew it, right? And I would talk to the guy from Toronto. Remember we ran that one play for one we quarter? Ran the one the play. We ran the one play and scored on one like 11 play. straight possessions. Yeah, and each one of us scored. Richard got an alley-oop. Delhi got an oop or a hook. His little right floater. Braun got a pass. I shot two threes. And I'm telling the guy, I think it was Biombo. I was like, hey. If you take a step that way, I'm going to shoot it. So I was like, I'm going to tell you this right now. So stand right here next to me, and your coach is going <laughs> to yell at you for not being that's in what the we, that, hey, hey, Do Zach, you want to get roasted? Zach, that's what we used to call Fry Island. Come we on out here to the Fry island. island. Because <laughs> island because you're not getting the rebound. I'm not going to shoot it. You're going to stand next to me. We in the corner. Great. put standing in the corner and run an offense. If they even – first of all, if you put a small – a smaller, like – six, seven guys, six, eight, you're not going to be able to contest Channing's shot. So if you put the big on Channing, if you leave for uh, a split second, go uh, back. People don't understand. We were fireballs. One, there was a reason why we beat Atlanta the way we did because we shot the three so well. We were praying for Oklahoma City. <laughs> we were playing for Oklahoma City over the Golden State. State Warriors, who were the best team in basketball. We recognize that. We'll give credit where credit is due. Those dudes were on fire. They on just fire. be. And when OKC was up 3 1, man, we were like, Channing and Kevin will shoot the face off of uh, Serge Ibaka and Steven Adams. They will shoot, like, we will spread that floor. We'll double team KD, make make Russ shoot all the balls, and that that's fine. But we know if they try and play those two bigs like they did against Golden State when they were up and trying to do that, the difference is we got seven footers that can shoot threes, and we had Kevin Love. So it was like, that was a much more matchup. Braun, and that's why I say Drummond, we haven't even seen Drummond. If Drummond can't do it with Braun, he can't do it anywhere, right? Like that's just, we just got to call a spade a spade. That's just, that doesn't mean he's not a 15 and 14 guy. It just means that if he can't do it playing with Anthony Davis as the, as the four, him at the five and Braun at the one, two, and three, we, then we've seen enough. He should be so free of mind. He's like, I don't need to play 30 minutes. I'm gonna play 24 minutes. I'm going to give you 10, 10, and, and two just off a weird double team, and I throw it back up, like, where I get an offensive rebound, and I kick it out to a three. Like, his life should be so easy. Just get in shape 
and just be like, oh, uh, let me see if I come off the bench. I'm a I'm a all-star caliber player, and I get to play against bench guys. Well, that's why the Lakers are so interesting, right? Or one of the reasons is they have these three centers, all of whom think they should be playing big minutes, Montrez, Andre, and Marcus Gasol. And with the exception of the Denver yeah. series, with the exception of the Denver series last year, when the going got tough for the Lakers, their trump card was Anthony, An- Anthony Davis at the five, right? I mean, like yeah. that's it. And I think that's still going to be the case. Animal at the five. It's a problem. Oh. You just Anthony can't Davis. like that. Everybody, listen. Anthony Davis doesn't like playing the five, right? I think it's we kind know of that. A- I think we're past that. I know. I know. I think we're past that. that. I think. I think he likes winning. Davis. I bet he likes winning championships. Though. Yeah, but that's what exactly. he's gonna play that five now. When Bron tell you, that's why we're past it because we re- he realizes that Anthony, you might not like playing the five, but if you like winning championships, you're going to need to play the five. No one really cares anymore about that. And if I he think plays he- Utah. He has to play the five. Yeah, he's a monster he's at the five. Barbecue chicken. That's a, I used to love playing the five. I was like, what? Oh, I can, you come on out here with them slow feet. I feel like this hour just <laughs> oh, went so fast. Get your big slow ass out here. This <laughs> hour just went so fast and Zach, Rich and see, Zach, Zach had to go. That, yeah, it wasn't that bad, Zach. It was Zach. great. I expected Zach, you guys to just make fun of me the whole time, honestly. I thought this was just a I thought this was just a trap for you guys no, to mock no, me. No, 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 Zach, Zach. You bring something because when we bring players on here, are we tell tons of stories? But ultimately, all of us are basketball analysts. Like Ali, obviously working for the Lakers, me and Channing for TNT and ESPN. So we spend all day. So, but we don't really get a chance to break down the game mm-hmm. of basketball and talk with someone who, in my opinion, knows more of the intricacies than even I do and Channing does because you look at it from a different eye and from a different perspective. So I thoroughly appreciate it. See, you know why I like that, RJ? It's not because you're saying nice things about me, but I, and I mean this sincerely, it's because we're all in every walk of life, but in sports media, even too, there's so many, there's so much pitting people against each other and you're a non-player and you're a player and you're a coach and you can't do this. Like we're all just trying to do a good job the best we can. And it's nice to hear like everyone brings something different to the table. And like, if your heart's in the right place and you're approaching it, like we can all be part of the discussion in a way that doesn't have to be your approach is this way. And I don't like it. And your approach is that way. And you're a fraud. It's like, we can all bring something. Zach, this yeah, is not low any I, gas, I but recently time. Rich and Channing were like, we're going to trend towards the playoffs. We want to talk more basketball uh, weekly on road trip. And, and you were the first name that, that yeah. came across. So I, I just more like, I like the, the vibe yeah. is we need more of that vibe of like, yeah. we're all bringing something different. We're yeah. all bringing different kind of insights and we're all coming from a place of honesty. Not we're not doing takes for the sake of takes. We're Hell trying to, no. we're trying to but talk I do about want, I do before, before yeah, we let you go, I do want y'all's final take. For the finals, who you want to see, who the team is to beat, however you want to approach it. Let's go around the horn. Did I just steal that? Zach, you go first. We got two ESPN guys. It's fine. All right. Let's see. The, the, I'm just going to go the most fun finals because there's no point in picking until you see how the brackets well, done, yeah. look out, right? I think, okay. I mean, I I guess by definition, the most fun finals has to be Brooklyn Lakers just because of the star power involved. But the longer Embiid goes, the more fun it gets to me. Because you're going to see more teams like, all right, we're not playing like we're not playing any centers. Can you hang with us? Like they're going to their teams are going to try and get so gimmicky with how they try to punish Embiid and make him work that the longer Philly goes, I think is is almost the more fun the playoffs get. Dude, he's so much fun because he's like, I'm going to punish these little fellas 
And the, and the Sixers are like, we'll throw it to you every single time. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to elbow you. I'm a hard foul you. And unless you want to fight me, we could go. For me, the East is Philly Nets. I'd be happy. And the West would be Utah, uh, Utah, LA. Okay, so the overall final for you then, Channing. I like, I want to see all the bigs versus Joel Embiid. I think it's good for the league, right? It's been a while since we've had a American big. Like everyone loves a heavyweight, right? When there's a good, big American heavyweight, people love that shit. And for me, I'm like, Joel Embiid is the first kind of American like go to college big man that's dominating the league for a Rob, long not, time. Why do you keep saying American? The man is from <laughs> Africa. I was I mean, gonna say why college to go to American? college to go to college, Richard. Wow. What's okay. the last time a big man dominated the NBA from college? Richard, what who's your team? Tim Duncan. No, I, I no, I, I get you. Well, Tim Duncan's he's from the US Virgin Islands, but it's cool. He went to Wake Forest. He's American. <laughs> no, this doesn't work that way. But he played I, for I Team think, USA. I, I think. I think. I, I, what did he say? He played for Team USA. <laughs> oh, we we try not to talk about that. Uh, no, I, I'm with you guys. I think for me, it's the same. I think. I think the narratives and the fun. I think if the Nets were to play the Lakers and everybody were to be a hundred percent, that firepower and that three point shot, because the Lakers are not great three-point shooters I just think it would just be an onslaught that would be very and I, don't get me wrong the Nets would beat them up I mean the Lakers would beat them up because the size of DeAndre Drummond Blake Griffin Claxton like I think losing LaMarcus Aldridge actually hurts people hurts the Nets more than people think because that versatility that he would have brought at the stretch four or the stretch five and he's a he's one of the few guys that you would throw the ball into on the block and tell him to go to work if you were going to try and play small. So I think they take away one of their big, big chess pieces. Like, I think it's Lakers, Nets, but I to, to Channing's point, I think Lakers versus Philly and to watch Embiid and Drummond, Ben Simmons and Anthony Davis and LeBron and Tobias Harris. Those are some big, big teams. To me, it reminds me of like the 90s basketball that we used to watch. Love it. This has been a fun hour. Zach, again, we appreciate your time. It's been a lot My of pleasure. fun. My pleasure. Thanks Zach, for having gonna, me. Zach, so we're gonna, you're going to come back on. We like to make people commit. We need to do the next one where we just talk like life ah, and your stories yeah. and all no. your experiences. No. Yes, we do. Zach doesn't yes, want do. that because then that's when the jokes start. We start making fun of each other and stuff. I'm sure he that's has a fun. few of his sleep. I'm, I'm fine yeah. with that. <laughs> exactly. I make fun of myself all the time. But it's, it's so do I. It's so much fun. Eat a life. Uh, be sure to check him out, the Low Post podcast and everything he writes on ESPN.com. Zach Love, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Hey, Road Trippin' fam. We are excited to let you know that Road Trippin' is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played NBA Daily Fantasy on FanDuel before? Well, check this out. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Why should you play on FanDuel NBA. Well, for one, it is easy to use when it comes to their app. What's not to love about that? But also, for example, they offer different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Oh yeah, and get this, you can play for big prizes, single game contests for the biggest national matches, and enter contests for as low as five cents. That's right, 
five cents. Simply incredible. So again, let's recap. Right now, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with a 20% deposit match. Enter URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin to play now and get your deposit bonus. That's URL FanDuel.com backslash roadtrippin so they know we sent you. FanDuel, more ways to win.